Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our online service at ASE. We are very thankful that we can still gather online and worship the Lord together this way. It's at least for this week, the sanctuary is going through some deep cleansing and thorough cleaning. And we are not sure about next week yet. If all goes well, we should be able to meet again in person next week. So just continue to pray for us, okay? And trust all of you are keeping well and giving thanks to the Lord, not taking the grace and love of the Lord for granted. Let us pray as we begin our time together. Father God, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you that you are the sovereign God and you have everything under control. And we continue to look to you today, this afternoon, as we dig into your word, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord, that you will come and speak to us with, through your word. As we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we continue with our sermon series on 1 Corinthians. How time flies. We are now already in chapter 9 today. And chapter 9 is a continuation from chapter 8. I'm sure you are aware that in the original script, there were no chapters and verses. Chapter and verses were put in later by Bible scholars for our convenience. Pastor Joseph brought us through chapter 8 last week, which is about our Christian weakness before our non-believing friends and relatives, in particularly relating to food that was offering to idols. You know, Corinth was such a city that was full of idol worship. And we were told that we hold the rights to eat those food that was offered to idols. However, for the sake of our Christian weakness, for the sake of making a stand for our faith and our trust in God, we do not consume this food that was offered to idols, lest we cause someone to stumble, so that we do not stumble another. Growing up in a non-Christian family, I had that kind of experience. My mom was a very devout Taoist. And whenever she prayed to her deity, on special occasions, she would prepare a feast, a small little feast, and offer to her deities on her altar. And after that, those food would become our family meal. That went on for many years until my sister and myself became Christians and my mom came to know about it. Thank the Lord there was no objection whatsoever. We did not say anything to my mom about those food that was offered to idols on her own accord. She simply put some food and even fruits aside and told us, that we are to eat those, and she said, those are clean and not offered to idols. So according to her own understanding and her belief, she felt then that we, were, we are now different and that had no part in the worship of her, of her gods. We just thank her and eat those food and fruits 
without question. Okay? There was no need for further argument or there's no need for further discussion to complicate her very simple logic. So this practice of, of hers continued for many years until one day she decided to move all the idols in the home to the temple. I'm sure those of you who grew up in non-Christian family may have similar experiences. Okay, back to our Corinthian passage. Before we read the passage for today, I thought that it is good to keep in mind some practices that the Greeks and the Jews had during those days. A commentator, Warren Wiseby, in his commentary on 1 Corinthians, said this in introducing chapter 9. He said this, Keep in mind that most part, the, group, the Greeks despised manual labour. They had slaves to do manual work so that citizens can enjoy sports, philosophy and leisure. The Jews, however, magnified honest labour. Even the learned rabbi each practised a trade and they taught the people, he who does not teach his son to work, teaches him to be a thief. And our dear Paul, Paul was, a train, was trained as a tent maker, a worker of leather. So Paul also taught in another epistle that anyone who is not willing to work, let him not eat. Meaning to say that everyone is to own his own livelihood the best he can. This certainly will help us to bring some clarity on what Paul said in this chapter. With this in mind, let us read chapter 9. It, was, it has 27 verses, so we will read portion of it as we go along. Okay? So as I said earlier, this is a continuation of the last chapter. So I'm going, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to read the last verse from chapter 8 and then we move on to chapter 9. So we are, I'll read until verse 18. So follow me in your Bible as I read. First Corinthians 8 verse 13. Therefore, if food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. So allow me to add, he, Paul was using himself as an example. So allow me to add, for example, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not work, my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defence to those who examine me is this. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas, who, who is Simon? Or do Barnabas and I have no right to do, refrain from working? Who at any time serve as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruits? 
and who tends a flock and does not consume some of the milk of the flock? I am not just asserting these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does the law not say these things as well? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking entirely for our sake? Yes, it was written for our sake, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the treasure to thresh in hope of sharing in the crops. If we sow spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? And those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar. So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of this thing, and I have not written this thing so that it will be done in my case. For it is better for me to die than that. No one shall take my bows and empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I am under compulsion. For woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For I do this voluntarily, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. And if against my will, I have been entrusted with his commission nonetheless. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Okay, we will stop there for now. So, so far, it would sound as if that Paul was defending his right to receive financial report from the church, from the church at Corinth, as well as defending his choice for not receiving this, report, this support. It was very much a choice that he made. He was free to choose. Paul was free to choose to receive or not to receive. Just like every one of us, we have a freedom to choose. Paul, in this passage, first of all, he talked about his apostleship and the right of his apostleship. He reminded the people of his own personal conversion and, that he, and he reminded them that he encountered the resurrected Lord which was one of the requirements of being an apostle, that is, encountering the resurrected Lord. And that was on his way to Damascus, okay, he, where he encountered the Lord. And also reminding the Corinthian Christian that he was the one who preached the gospel to them. He was like the founder of the church, and he planted the church at Corinth. And then he went on to talk about the rights of some human experiences. For example, the soldier. 
is paid for his service. A worker is entitled to the fruits of his labor. And those who tends a flock gets milk from the flock. And a vine dresser is entitled to enjoy his own harvest. Then in verse 11, he talked about he and his team. Okay, whenever there is a we uh, in, in Paul's letter, it's always more than himself. It's he and another person or a group of them. So he said that he and his teammates sold spiritual things in the church and certainly had the right to receive material things from them, that is, receiving support of some kind. And Paul was seen, so we see that Paul was seen here defending his right to receive support. Then he said in verse 12, which I reckon is the key, key verse to this section, he said, nevertheless, we did not use this right. But we endure all things, so we will not cause no hindrance to the gospel. So for the sake of the gospel, he did not use his right. Paul knew his entitlement. Paul knew his benefits, or what we, like call, what we would call rights. However, he chose, he made a decision, and that is not to use that right for the sake of preaching the word of God. It was a choice that he made, a personal choice. And, and then he went on to give more examples of how, who serve, how those who serve sacred services receive benefits from the temple and, and those that they serve and they can draw a livelihood from them. And likewise, preachers of the gospel can receive a living from the gospel. And then he said in verse 14, he said this, But I have used none of this, and I have not written this thing so that it will be done in my case, for it is better for me to die than that. Paul knew his focus. His focus was preaching the gospel. And I believe why Paul chose not to receive support was that he wanted to be free from all financial obligations. You may like to say in today's term, he chose to live by faith. I suspect that whenever Paul ran out of money, ran out of finance, he would practice his trade as a tent maker. And then he can earn his livelihood. On a side note, that is why the term tent maker is used today for those who use their own profession to do mission work in another country. They work in another country and with the money that they earn in their profession, they use it to do missionary work. So you are most welcome to talk to Pastor Darren if you are interested to be a tent maker for the Lord. I'm sure you can discuss with him further. In other words, Paul did not deny his rights. He knew his rights and his entitlement, but he chose not to use them. He chose to lay them down, all for the sake of the gospel. 
For us today in our society worldwide, we are so caught up with the idea of rights, human rights, personal rights, and the protection of rights of all kinds, even animal rights. There are people who fight for animal rights. And there are human rights movements of all kinds all over the world. And of course, every country has their rights for their own citizens, have their own sets of rights to protect their own citizens. For us in Singapore, as citizens of Singapore, we also have a set of rights that is spelled out for us in the Constitution of Singapore. You can read them in the internet if you want to. So what exactly is human rights? I found this, that the United Nations has coined this. What are human rights? He said, they said this, human rights are rights inherent to all human beings. That includes you and me. Eh? Regardless of race, sex, nationality, ethnicity, language, region, religion, or any other status. Human rights include the right to life and liberty, freedom from slavery and torture, freedom of opinion and expression, the right to work and education, and many more. Everyone is entitled to these rights without discrimination. So it doesn't matter who you are, as long as you are a human being, you're entitled to all these rights. I, I show this so that we know that we have rights of some sort, huh? and this gave us a basic idea. As a Christians, we are also human beings, yeah? so we are also entitled to these rights as well. And we can use these rights for our personal advantage and to protect ourselves. However, there are times when we have to lay down our rights for, a common, for the common good of the community or for a specific purpose. For Paul, he chose not to exercise the right for support as a personal testimony of God's provision in his life. So that was Paul's idea, to be free from financial obligation, but to show that God has called him and provided for him. So how about us? How about you? How about me? For example, during this pandemic, in our fight against the COVID-19 virus, we need to lay down some of our rights, our rights to put on, our rights not to put on a mask. And we lay down our rights for a common purpose for the common good of our community, to protect one another. However, those there are those who refuse to cooperate and they will need to face the consequences. Remember the show me your badge lady? <laughs> it's all over the media, isn't it? About the women, the lady who refused to wear a mask. Then we read about foreigners that come into our midst insisting on his right in not wearing a mask and the MRT. We read about people who gather exceeding the number of people that is allowed. And of course, all these people have to 
face the consequences of the law of the land and accept the consequences for their action. So as a church now, we have laid aside our rights to gather physically yeah? and to, of course, to go online, thank God for technology so that we can be socially responsible. But the ministry of the church carries on. Then as consumer, we also have rights. Right to fresh produce, right to, rights to the correct product, the right product that we purchase. However, do we sometimes abuse our rights? Can you think of anything or any time that you may have abused your right? I remember I was once holiday in Korea with some friends. And this friend of mine brought along her auntie. And her, her aunt, my friend's aunt and me were walking into a cosmetic shop in Seoul. And she saw some items that she liked and I had to buy a couple of things for my sister. And then she brought her items to the counter and wanted to pay and she wanted to exercise her consumer right. She thought that it was her right. She asked the sales girl for discounts, asked the sales girl for free gifts. She said, I have buy so many things. Can you give me this? Can you give me that? And I was standing nearby, and I was quite embarrassed, and nearly wanted to say I don't know her. And then I overheard the sales girl telling her colleague, that this is a grabber from Singapore. So I, I was really very embarrassed. So with that, what I did was, I did not try to exercise my so-called consumer right. I went and took my items, I think it's only two items, to the counter and pay for those two items. And because I did not say anything, she gave me more free gifts than she gave to my friend's auntie. So we all have to be careful when we want to exercise our so-called consumer right. And it may work for you, well, but it may work against you as well. And we got to take care of our Christian weakness, especially when you wear a cross around your neck or a T-shirt testifying for the Lord, you know. Uh, all of us do that. Nah? So we've got to be careful when you walk out of the door with a t-shirt that is from the church or what. Nah? And so we have to watch our Christian weakness. Then drivers, of course. If you have a cross hanging in your car, you've got to be careful how you drive on the road and whether what you, what you need to do. Or if you have a Christian decal on your car, also watch your Christian weakness as well because people will say, hey, that driver is a Christian. And you behave wrongly, they will say Christians are like that. And so we have to watch our Christian weakness. So back to our First Corinthians 9. Paul's main purpose in, is in not choosing his rights was for the sake of the gospel. So we see in the next section that Paul was giving example in his own life. So we, we move on to verse 19. For though I am free from all men, 
I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may gain more. To the Jews I become as a Jew, so that I may gain Jews. To those who are under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, so that I may gain those under the law who are under the law. To those who are without the law, I became as one without the law, though I'm not, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might gain those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I may gain the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a partaker of it, partaker of the gospel. Okay. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things, so they do it. To obtain a perishable wreath, but we have an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not to run aimlessly. I box in such a way as to avoid hitting air. But I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So what was Paul trying to say? I think the key verse in this, past, in this section is found in the second part of verse 23 to, to verse 24, where Paul said, I have become all things to all men so that I may by me all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a partaker of it, so that I may become the part, a partaker of the gospel of Christ. And he, of course, was careful, in the last section he mentioned, he was careful that not to be too entangled, lest he be found disqualified. Paul was a very learned man, we know. He was very well trained as a Jew, and he probably knew the law of Moses, the Torah, the Old Testament law, by his fingertips. I reckon that he was willing to be all, all things to all men for the sake of the gospel. How and why? Okay, why we know for the sake of the gospel? How? I reckon a twofold plan that he had, twofold reason. First of all, he identified with the people. He identified with what they already know. So he goes to the Jews, he goes to the Greeks, he goes to those under the law, those who know the law. He, he can have a conversation with them. He can mingle with them. He will, he will draw out the common points and he, he identifies the common grounds. Then he take the opportunity to share the gospel. Paul, if you read in the book of Acts, 
in the Acts account of Paul's um, missionary's journey, you realise that Paul was an expert in this. In Acts 17, when he was in Athens, he was walking around town and he came across an object of worship which was inscribed as the unknown God. Then when he was given an opportunity to speak, our friend Paul wasted no time. He stood on the pedestal, he stood on the so-called pulpit that they gave him, and he said this. He said then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, which is their pulpit, and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all aspects. Something that he knew about them. And he says, I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship. Then I, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Wasn't he clever? Paul then went on to proclaim the gospel message to the folks at Eton. You can read all about it in Acts 17. Don't read now, eh? Paul identified with the locals on what they already know. They were religious. And he came across the unknown God. And when he, that was an open ground that Paul worked on. Their curiosity and their curiosity of wanting to understand new philosophy and using that inscription, using that object of worship, Paul started to preach the gospel. And we read that Paul did win some to the Lord. And while talking about his rights, about laying down his rights, about laying down his rights, sorry, so while Paul talking about laying down his rights, he slipped in a lesson on evangelism. In evangelism, we are often taught to identify common grounds and then share the gospel from there. I remember reading somewhere of a mathematical, a Christian mathematician who was sitting in a plane with a professor in mathematics and ended up sharing the gospel using mathematics. How interesting. And I remember I myself was talking to a Taoist about the setup of the Taoist temple. And guess what I talk about? I talk about the tabernacle of Moses. Okay. I shall not tell you what I say, no? otherwise tomorrow then we will go home. Of course, being all things to all men, there's always a risk of us being swayed and become like them. So we need to be careful. That was why Paul did say that he was not aimless. He did not try to box aimlessly. So he always go in to this group of people with a purpose. He knew his focus. He said in verse 26, Therefore I run in such a way as not to run aimlessly. 
I boxed in such a way as to avoid hitting air, but I strictly disciplined my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached the gospel, I myself will not be disqualified. That was what Paul had in mind. The, for the sake of the gospel, that was all he thought about. I do all this is for the sake of the gospel. I go and be all things to all men is because for the sake of the gospel. He reckoned that he should do that because he also watched himself. I reckon that he watched himself. He kept his focus. He kept his focus on the Lord. He kept focus on his mission and did not to indulge in the ungodly practices of those he was reaching out to. I remember this ministry in Thailand, the Rehab Ministry, who reaches out to the ladies of the night. The workers, usually women, would go to the bar and hang out with those people who, who, who come to the bar, as well as to reach, reach out to the ladies of the night. They were careful to dress appropriately, or rather, modestly. They were careful to dress modestly and focus on their mission. So I, I've visited the ministry before and really appreciate what they are doing. And in my former church, we do help them sometimes. And I would like to suggest this. That as Paul, one of Paul's famous words is that, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So what Paul was doing was also that he was trying to imitate the life of Jesus. And let's look at the example of our Lord in laying down his divine rights. He took the form of a man so that he may bring salvation to mankind. So be imitators of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, we, we read this. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a born servant and being born in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. So our Lord Jesus Christ, out of his love for us, out of his love for you and for me, he laid down his divine rights and he took the form of a man, a form just like you and me. And he came and became one of us, human. Being, Paul wanted to be somebody and identify with the people. Jesus Christ, was his example. Jesus became like us. So for our sake, for our sake of our salvation, Jesus sacrificed himself and went to the cross so that we can be safe and be reconciled back to God. That was 
the focus of our Lord Jesus. He did not sin. He watched himself. He knew his mission. He was focused on his mission. He was not to be tempted in our ungodly practices. But he was focused. And Paul was focused. So Paul made a personal choice not to exercise his right for support. He made a choice to be all things to all men. All for the sake of the gospel. All for the sake of the Lord. I'm sure it was not a convenient choice. He must have calculated the cost. He must have kept his mind in focus. How about you? How about us? How about me? What rights are we willing to lay down? Are we willing to surrender for the sake of our Lord, for the sake of our Christian witness? We are called to be salt and light. People are watching you and me. So for the sake of our Christian witness, what choice are you going to make to be, to stand up for our Lord? It's your choice. Let us pray. Father, this afternoon, we heard about rights. God, we thank you for the many rights that you have given to us human beings. And today we are reminded of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has laid down his divine rights in glory land, in glory in heaven with you. And he chose willingly to come to be like us, to be like a man, to identify himself with us, show us an example, and went to the cross. And he was obedient to the cross. He has surrendered his life to you. And we thank you for the example of Paul as well. So, Lord, even as we examine our lives, may we, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of being a Christian witness, that we should consider what kind of rights that we can lay down. I'm sure your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, will help us as we stand up for you. As we pray all this in Jesus' name. Joel will now come. Sorry, Ken will now come and lead us in a song. <laughs>